It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 371 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Yes, this is a Padres show. The core of the show is Padres. But come on, we got to start with the San Diego State Aztecs. Final four bound. First time, obviously, in history that they are headed into the final four. They will be facing off against FAU. Man, this San Diego State-Creighton game, what a game, right? The revenge game, right when San Diego State made it to the Elite Eight. Obviously, a huge win against Alabama. It felt like all Aztecs fans were wanting Creighton. We wanted Creighton because we just felt like, hey, they beat Alabama, they can beat anyone, and the whole revenge game thing. Like, they're not losing. This team is not going to lose to Creighton. And it was very close. I obviously wish it was not that close. But it was a very memorable ending, uh, an ending that I think Aztecs fans will never forget. Uh, For any fans that want to be mad about the foul call uh, when Trammell had the floater at the end there, I'm talking about opposing fans or just basketball fans in general. uh, That's not what you should be getting mad at. I mean, get mad at Creighton. If you're rooting for Creighton, get mad at Creighton for going, what, two for 17 from three? 
get mad at that. Get mad at them not being able to get that rebound late when Mensa got the rebound, right? Get mad at whoever fouled Trammell there late. You know, that was a foul. Uh, but what a finish. 57-56 was the final. San Diego State over Creighton. They trailed 33-28, excuse me, at the half. The starting five at the half uh, had combined for 20 points. Creighton at the half starters, 33 points. So there was a, a big difference there. 56-56, if we fast forward all the way to the end of the fourth. And that's, I mean, we could go through the game, right, more in depth. But really what we're going to remember, the big takeaway from this game was at the end, right? 56 56 inbound pass it ends up going to a rope he finds Darion Tremel who comes up top of the key goes in little floater and he gets pushed on the hip by one of the Creighton players and I initially my reaction so Tremel obviously misses the floater but I was like oh crap okay this is going to overtime I didn't realize that there was a foul called and then, obviously, when the replay showed, it was like, okay, yeah, that's a foul. No, duh, that was a foul. Uh, but for some people on social media, I think that wasn't a foul. Like, come on. It was a foul. I know Trammell, maybe he definitely oversold it, like flop job a little bit there, but that was a foul. If you look, he pushed the hip. He pushed Trammell, tried to make sure he was down, which that alters the shot it just does that's a foul so Tremel earned that he earned it I, I I thought that you know drawing up a last play it was going to go to someone like Lamont Butler especially with what he did at the end of the season regular end of the regular season near the end uh, in that huge win on the road right against New Mexico with the game-winning shot I don't know if Dutch drew up the play for Lamont and it just didn't happen that way uh, but I know finding a rope was not probably what was drawn up there in that final play, uh, but they had to get the ball in. They just had to. And Trammell, credit to him for getting open, a rope for finding him, and then getting to the free throw line, he misses the first, and that's where it's like, oh, crap. You get really worried there. I mean, I think it made for more of a memorable moment, though, to be honest, because he misses the free throw, and so it's like, all right, it comes down to this because he had two free throws. If he doesn't make the second, then the game's tied and it probably goes into overtime. And he makes it, and it's like, all right, we can breathe now. It's 57-56. Now, I know the end of the game, it, it took a while for that ending to happen, the long throw-in, making sure that it was uh, the timing was all right, right? Like the clock made sure it was off of Creighton. And it was, and so that took a while, but what an ending. Yeah, do, would you prefer the ending to be like a, a Lamont Butler game like that? Of course. But this game was right down to the wire, and it was, it was definitely a memorable ending. The game against Creighton last year was down to the wire, and obviously that did not go State's way. But I'd much rather have this have gone State's way going to the Final Four than a first-round game last year, right? You obviously want to win both, but I'm taking this one. But a tremendous, tremendous victory, any victory, 
at this point in time in March, I mean, this is like a dream. I was, my mom during the Padre spring training game today was like, San Diego State's going to the final four. Just kept saying it. It's like, it's one of those things where you don't think that it's going to happen. Like this can't happen. San Diego State to the final four. Like, is this a dream? That can't happen. Where with the Padres, right, there's a lot of talent on the Padres. With San Diego State, I'm not saying there's not a lot of talent and anything can happen in March, but you weren't. no one was envisioning them going to the Final Four. Probably most San Diego State fans, right? What was our expectation for San Diego State? Like, what did we want entering this tournament for San Diego State for this to be a success? I was hoping, right, win a tournament game, and then I would label this season as a success because it's making progress, right? Dutch had never won a tournament game as the head coach. Make progress. They were able to do that. Then they were able to beat Furman. Then they were able to beat the number one seed, the number one overall seed, the best team in the country, right? Knock them off. Limit Brandon Miller to not a Brandon Miller game, if that makes sense, right? Darren Chamel goes off in that game, right? After that one, it's like, okay, this season is the best season in Aztecs history, obviously. Then they're able to win today against Creighton, and they're going to the Final Four. They're going to Houston. I mean, Jim Nance is going to be calling their games. You don't see that with the San Diego State Aztecs, right? So I'm really happy just for the program, uh, for those that attend the university, for those that used to attend the university, right? For the fans that have been waiting a long time and for all the fans that probably didn't think this was a reality, the final four San Diego state, like that doesn't make sense, but we're here. And Steve Fisher, he helped build this, right? Brian Dutcher and the rest of the coaching staff helped build this. And I'm talking about the coaching staff that was with Fisher, you know, building this up. San Diego state was nothing. Right. And then they started building. And they started making tournament appearances and winning some tournament games. And then they were identified as, okay, this is a basketball school, right? And then they kept getting the recruits, right? Because it's known as a basketball school. And Dutch takes over, and it, it keeps the same uh, mentality, right? Defense. Defense is what wins, right? He has that written up on the whiteboard. Uh, at least the, not the, yeah, the, the Sweet 16 game, after that game, after that win over Alabama, that's what was written on the whiteboard. The same mentality, right? If you don't play defense, you're not coming to this school, right? And they've kept that. And so that's really cool to see, right? Mensa with rebounds and blocks in this tournament, right? A lot of guys with good blocks and all that. Uh, but keeping that same core, if that makes sense, like that same mentality, the same priorities, throughout this program, and now, I mean, who doesn't want to come to San Diego State? Perfect time, perfect time now. I guess people, if you don't want to play defense, but perfect time with the whole Pac-12 stuff, right? Like, how can the Pac-12 say no to San Diego State now? And I know this is one year, and their big decision on, the, on San Diego State coming to the Pac-12 isn't going to be just on the basketball program, but come on. New stadium with the football. With you have uh, the basketball pro program, the women's program, obviously doing well now, and they're ascending. 
the basketball program continuing to ascend and having it hit in a, a historic year, you don't want that program in your conference. How can you how can you say, no, nah, we're good. We don't want San Diego State in our conference when we have no Southern California presence. Right. So a lot of things are going right right now for San Diego State. And so they play FAU on Saturday a little bit after three o'clock, I believe, is going to be the tip time. And uh, I, I think I speak for San Diego when I say I cannot wait. What a week this is going to be, huh? San Diego State already going to the Final Four. That game's going to be this coming weekend. Padres opening day, opening series. The Wave having their second game after winning on Saturday, and we'll get to that uh, in a bit. I mean, what a week. What a week this is going to be for San Diego sports, huh? What a week. All right. I guess I could, I should go to the chat here. A lot of Aztecs chatter here. Let's go Aztecs. Mike says, hey, Aztecs, let's win one where I don't have to have my heart restarted after every game. Yeah, they've been close, but most Aztecs games, if you've been following, they're going to be close. They're not going to be blowouts. Uh, Mike says, a foul is a foul regardless of when it happens in the game. Don't want the call. Don't put your hand up. Don't put your hand, excuse me, on the shooter's hip. Yeah, I agree. It was a foul. Aztecs missed 15 of 17 towards end of the second half. That was their chance to pull away. Yeah, I remember them on the broadcast saying they were they missed 12 of their last 14 shots at one point in the second half. But they ended up getting it done. That's all that matters. They ended up getting it done. Yeah, good point from Gil. Uh, can't lie, Tramel's post-game interview put a knot in my throat. Yeah, he was crying. and Right, he, he went to, I think he went to junior college first. And then he went to Oakland or... Was he though? No, that was Parrish, I think. Uh, went to Seattle University and then coming to state. And he ends up coming up big. Came up big in the Alabama game, comes up big here. After again, and I think it was the Mountain West tournament, having a minimal role as the, the starting guard, as, as one of the starting guards. So it's cool to see him come back like that, right? All right, let's get to the core of the show which is always going to be Padres but anyone who's new I've, I've started implementing other San Diego sports because I'm a San Diego sports fan diehard San Diego sports fan you know I'm not just Padres or uh, just one specific team like San, I'm San Diego through and through and I know there's passion among other fans that watch or listen to this show that want to talk about other San Diego sports and so that's why I'm doing it so We'll get to the Padres here, uh, but first, a message about Gaglione Bros. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, so there's a lot to talk about Padres-wise. Padres played the... Mariners today in spring training. Trent Grisham. I mean, holy cow. Two home runs today. Joven five runs. Had an RBI single in that third at-bat. Only had three at-bats. It doesn't seem like the Padres starters are playing nine innings, which you think that they would. Maybe maybe some will play nine innings on Monday. But you think that 
Bob Melvin would want to get some of the Padres players in for a full nine innings. I know the World Baseball Classic players did that already, but some of the other guys, full nine innings, just so that they can at least do that once before opening day. But he also might be thinking, hey, the Padres played 23 games in the first 24 days. We don't need them playing nine innings in a spring training game and having them play more innings and having them out there on the field trying to give it their all in a game that doesn't matter. And we're that close to spring training. We're, we're that close to spring training ending that close to opening day. Might as well just, you know, they get their three at bats and just end it. Right. But Grish, I'm predicting him to hit at least 20 home runs this season. That's one of my bold predictions for this year. Hopefully he hits more home runs than bunts that he lays down. Uh, because if he is firing on offense like that, you know he's going to get good pitches to hit this year because they have to attack someone, right? The bottom of the lineup is what pitchers are going to be attacking because that's the only hole, I guess you could say, if there is one in this Padres lineup. The only lane that opposing pitching staffs can say, oh, we could get through this inning, right? If they get through Soto... Soto, uh, Manny Bogarts in an inning or Tatis Soto Manny in an inning, three up, three down. It's because maybe luck, maybe something's hit hard, or maybe they're just, they just didn't see that pitcher well the first time around. Like that's why that would happen. But if the bottom of the lineup's contributing, Trent Grisham, Asun Kim, I think is going to have a better year. We'll see if Nola's starting on opening day or starting. Most of the time, I expect him to. We'll see about Luis Camposano as well. But if Trent Grisham's going, and he's going to be a second leadoff hitter too, that just makes that makes it even more uh, of like hell for opposing pitching staffs. If you have Grisham getting on base, hitting a bullet in the gap, or hitting a hard single to right, and now he's on first, he has speed, and you're bringing up. When Tatis comes back, you're bringing up Tatis, Soto, Manny, Bogarts, Cronenworth after Grisham. Good luck to opposing pitching staffs. I would not want to face that. I would not want to face that. But look, Grish, he's more aggressive. I love what I'm seeing so far from Grish so far this year. And I'm definitely rooting for a bounce back year. And anyone that was doubting Trent Grisham, in this offseason and saying, yeah, let's trade Grish. I was open to trading him, but it had to be for like an elite package that they're bringing back, an elite starting pitcher. That's what I was like. I didn't want to trade him for someone that isn't going to be a huge impact to this team and just trade him just because, just because, you know, I, I believe in Trent Grisham. I believe in this guy. And, and uh, hopefully those that, did doubt him or are still doubting Trent Grisham and are saying, hey, do it, do it in the regular season. That's fine for you to have that viewpoint. But hopefully you're not going to be doubting him at the end of the year because you're going to see him have a tremendous year and put himself into the top 10 category, the, the top 10 center fielders in baseball. Hopefully that's what you're going to see from Trent when the season ends up being written that Trent is a top 10 center fielder in baseball. Uh, so big game from him. Tim Hill had three strikeouts in the eight, struck out the side there. A Soto update. 
He hit in the cage today, so he is hoping to play on opening day. He is still scheduled to play on opening day. I don't think that they're going to get him in that spring training game tomorrow on Monday, which is the Padres' final spring training game. But again, like I've said on previous shows, I'm not worried about Juan Soto. I don't think he needs to have all of these at-bats in Cactus League games. He's one of the best hitters on the planet, okay? And he's going to get some backfield at-bats, I believe, tomorrow. So it's not like he's not going to get at-bats. And he can get at-bats in San Diego when the team's back there and they have someone throwing uh, on an off day, right? Even if he didn't get at-bats, I still want Juan Soto in the lineup. He's still a better option than having uh, who would, Jose Zokar in the lineup with at-bats. I'd rather go with Soto, obviously. So I'm not worried about that. Seems like the oblique's doing good, and he's been running. He's been sprinting, did cage work. So it seems like he's progressing. So good news there. For Nola, he caught Darvish on Saturday, took a ball off of his, I think it was his right hand, left hand. It was, it was one hand, and he exited the game, but seems like everything is good there. He is scheduled to hit, or was scheduled to hit today, and he is supposed to play tomorrow. So that's good. That's good news there. Good news both on the NOLA and on the Soto fronts there. Looks like both should be ready to go on opening day. So it should be Snell throwing the NOLA. But if not, I mean, Snell just pitched amazingly well the other day pitching to Campy over six innings. So it seems like that relationship's getting a little bit better. And obviously, that's what you're hoping for if you're a Padres fan. Uh, let's Let's move to... The starting pitching. So the starting pitching, it is lined up for the first four games of the year. Don't know about the fifth game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Padres beat writers, Dennis Lynn, Kevin AC, they're thinking that it's going to be Julio Tehran to get that fifth day, and then hopefully Darvish get the sixth. The first four, it's going to be snow on Thursday, weather permitting. I did see something in the Union Tribune today saying that maybe it gets rained out. Uh, there, there's rain in the forecast. Hopefully that ends up not happening. But Snow on Thursday for opening day. Nick Martinez on Friday. Waka on Saturday. Lugo on Sunday. And then TBD for Monday. Or, yeah, Monday. I think that's the Diamondbacks. First of two. And then hopefully Darvish on Tuesday. The sixth game of the season. Then there's an off day. And then in Atlanta on... What would that be? Wednesday in Atlanta, I think. Is that right? That's weird to have a series go in Atlanta. Let me look at the Padres schedule here. Bear with me. Bear with me here. I just want to double check. So we got the Rocky series this coming weekend. And then, yeah, oh, no, no, the off, off day's Wednesday. Thursday's the first game. Sorry, totally had that mixed up. 
Thursday, that makes more sense. So four-game series against the Braves, Thursday through Sunday, and then in New York, Musgrove, his first start could be on the 11th in New York. That's according to reports. So Musgrove, the update from Kevin Acey, is Musgrove uh, pitching in a minor league game on Monday, will begin the season on the IL. He was aiming to pitch April 6th, April 6th, I think that's when it was, the first game in Atlanta. Yeah, April 6th, first game in Atlanta. He was hoping to pitch then. But looks like it's being pitch, uh, pushed back, excuse me. Get him ramped up, fully built up. And April 11th is his now new target date, which would be against the Mets in New York, which obviously we knew we know what happened the last time he pitched in New York. So that would be a pretty fitting uh, season debut for Musgrove. His first road outing, wait, his, his last road outing was, I think that was the Mets game, right? Because he pitched at home against the Dodgers. And did he? No, he might have pitched. I, I forget. Yeah, that's not the point. Whatever. Um, but hey. April 15th, 16th, somewhere, maybe the 16th, I think. 16th or 17th. I think that I think it would be the 16th, that Sunday. Because if he didn't pitch the, if, let's say he pitched the 11th, but it wasn't in the big leagues, every fifth day lines him up to the 16th. But I don't know, who knows what the rotation is going to look like. Are they going to go with the sixth man? So will it be the 17th instead of the 16th? Maybe it's the 17th for that next start after the 11th. But he is aiming for the 11th. I, I, I was hoping that he wasn't even going to have to go on the IL and he would have just pitched that a April 11th game, or not April 11th, the April 6th game against the Braves, I was hoping you would just got that. I thought he was going to. I mean, the way that his rehab was going, but they, they want to make sure that he's not going to be compensating, overcompensating anywhere. They want to make sure he's built up. They have extra starters, and this could help the Padres too because – with Musgrove not being on the roster to start the year, this opens another spot. Tehran could take that that spot and start the fifth game of the season, and they have Jay Groomby in the bullpen as a long guy. Or they could have Jay Groomby a starter, have Tehran take Musgrove's spot, but him just go to the bullpen, have Honeywell take Robert Suarez's spot, and that's news on Suarez. Suarez, he is starting 2023 on the I.L., with arm stiffness and joint inflammation. So that's not great. He has not resumed throwing, uh, according to Kevin Acey. Could resume throwing soon. April 7th could be his return date if the IL stint starts on March 27th. If they backdate it to tomorrow, um, then he could be available as early as April 7th. So that's not ideal news, obviously. Robert Suarez, now Drew Pomerantz as well, right? So I wasn't expecting a whole lot from Drew Pomerantz, but to have Pomerantz and Suarez, who if, if both were healthy, they'd be two of your high-leverage guys, along with Garcia, Hayter. Having two of those four out to start the year, that's not ideal. 
Uh, but it, it does give the Padres the opportunity to have Tehran and Honeywell and Groom all on the roster. And going into spring training, I didn't really think that that was going to be a possibility. But injuries happened, right? We knew injuries were going to happen, and it wasn't a guarantee that Pomeranz was going to start the season on the roster. Who knows if he even pitches for the Padres in 2023 on the Major League Club. I mean, I hope he does. I'm rooting for Drew. I know some fans don't like Drew Pomerantz because he hasn't really given the Padres anything, and I totally understand that, but he wants to be out there. His body's just, the arm is just not letting him. Uh, it looked like he was going to start the season with the Padres, and then he was dealing with some pain, right? Uh, where was it? Was it Morahone? It was just above the elbow. I think that was him. But just inflammation, I think, still with, more, uh, with Pomerantz. So it's unfortunate. But Honeywell, right, because Honeywell, Tehran, like I was saying earlier this spring, they, there was some reasons why the Padres would want to keep them on the roster. Honeywell, he'd have to go through waivers. Tehran, he could just choose to opt out, and he could just go to another team if he didn't make the opening day roster. But now the Padres can just say, no, Honeywell, you're not going to go through waivers. You're on the roster. Tehran, you're not going to opt out. You're on the roster. And Jay Groom can make the roster still, right? Uh, because we didn't know, right? Like, Groom, maybe the Padres decided to keep Groom built up, ramped up, or fully built out, right? Um, in the minor leagues, and they just go with Honeywell, Tehran. You can keep them on the roster. Groom has options, right? He hasn't even debuted in the big leagues yet. So maybe that's what they, that's what they would have decided to go with if Musgrove wouldn't have gone on the IL or... Uh, Pomerantz would have been ready, uh, or if Suarez would have been ready, but now all three can be on it, and all three have now a chance to prove themselves while Musgrove is out. I, I think even if Tehran or Groom proves themselves as a starter and Musgrove comes back, I don't think that they're going to they're not going to go with a seven man, right? I hesitate to say that they'll go with the six man, maybe right when Musgrove gets back because it did work at the beginning of the year. But I think they want to see Musgrove and Darvish and Snell get the most starts possible because those guys are their best starters. So after that, it would probably at some point narrow down to Waka after those three as not, not necessarily the four, but I'm just saying as a fourth, one of the four, one of the four first, uh, or just one of the starters, he'll be a four starter in the rotation. And then probably Lugo or Martinez and then the other going to the bullpen. I don't see Tehran or Groom or Honeywell sticking it out long-term in the rotation. Injuries can happen, things can happen, and they can go move back into the rotation, but I don't see them sticking long-term. You want this rotation at some point to narrow down to every fifth day because that's what the starters are used to, right? And that gives you more starts. That gets you more starts out of Musgrove, more starts out of Snell, more starts out of Darvish, and that's what you want when you're trying to go win the division this year. You're trying to go uh, be one of the best teams in the National League and get that NLDS berth and not have to play the wild card series. That's what you're trying to do if you're the Padres. You want your best starters in there as much as possible, right? So I think that's what's going to happen. But those are the latest updates. So Snell again, game one. Martinez, game two. Waka, game three. Lugo, game four. Don't know yet who's going to pitch that first game of the Arizona series. 
And then don't know who's going to pitch the second game, that last game of the homestand, but we're hoping that it's you, Darvish. Definitely hoping so. Um, he should be, he threw, I think he threw yesterday, right? I think he threw yesterday in like a backfield game. So that would put him on track to pitch Thursday, maybe just before the game at Petco in like a, a sim game. And then you could give a, if it's every fifth day, then he would pitch April 4th before that off day, April 5th. Or they could just really relax him and then have him start April 6th again against Atlanta because Musgrove's not starting that game anymore. Have him start then. And they that could give Tehran or Honeywell or Groom, that could allow them to start that Tuesday game. Uh, or no, no, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be them because they would start Sunday, right? Or no, no, they'd start Monday as the fifth. So Snell, you could have Snell start that Tuesday game, the fourth. It gets confusing. It get I know obviously, like I I haven't gotten all the dates totally correct here. It's been it gets a little confusing just because of how many starters and when when is this person you just don't know when is this guy going to be inserted into the rotation and so that pushes everyone back a day uh but hopefully you understand the latest on the pitching rotation right now and how that's going uh so again with Musgrove if it's an every fifth day schedule then he pitches Monday Pitches on April 1st, pitches April 6th, before making the Mets start April 11th. But who knows? Again, we, we don't know if the Padres plan for him to just go every six days, and so he wouldn't start April 11th. That wouldn't put him on that, that track. But he's aiming for April 11th, so I'm assuming he's just going to prepare for that every fifth day start and make a couple starts to get ramped up, get fully built up before making his 2023 season debut uh, against the Mets on April 11th. Maybe it's not April 11th, but hopefully it's sometime during that Mets series. I'm seeing on social media stuff about Jay Groom. So has he made the roster? Do we know? I guess... Sammy Levitt just talked to him in the clubhouse. Okay. So it's not no news on that. Cause it has been cool seeing the, you know, the videos, the hidden cameras with the the big prospects, the the guys that are going to be making their major league debuts on opening day. Anthony Volpe with the Yankees, Jordan Walker. Uh, I don't know if he's going to start that day, but hopefully. Uh with the Cardinals seeing their reactions, right, and the manager, the GM, be there in that in their office and telling them, yeah, you made the club. I want to see that. I want to see the Padres post that with Jay Groom. Um, Brent Honeywell's debuted in the big leagues, but it would still be cool to see that, right? See Tehran's reaction getting back to the big leagues because it's been a, a long road for him to get back to the big leagues, right? Seeing guys like that, like, hey, you made the roster. Um, that'll be cool. To see, hopefully, if the Padres do that with someone like Jay Groom. Especially for Groom, because he hasn't been in the big leagues yet. All right. 
any other i think that's the only other padres updates that i had so let's go to the chat here first though i want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports it's underdog fantasy they have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments in pickup games just pick higher or lower on two to five players stats and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night you can go cross team cross league and even cross sport best ball revolves around the draft which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product how does it work exactly you enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users that lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest the better the combined performance of your team the more money you win after your lineup is all played underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup that's it no waivers no trades no worrying about who to start or sit after you complete your draft your part is done underdog fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways including daily contests weekly contests playoff contests and season-long contests you can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes or if you'd like you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code talking friars and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, let's get to the chat here. Speaking of underdog real quick, though. Opening day, MLB season. Go on there. Use my code. They'll deposit match or they'll match your deposit up to $100 fully. So again, like in that ad, $10. If you deposit 10, they'll give you 10 free. So you'll have 20 uh, to work with. So uh, definitely use underdog. Um, Great, great, great uh, place to have some fun while watching these games, right? Opening day, opening week, all season long. There's going to be, higher lowers so if you think manny's gonna get higher just for example just throwing it out there higher than one and a half hits a night or half hit half a hit higher or lower you think he's gonna get a hit or not you can use you can do that um i think you have to do for the higher lower you have to put in multiple picks um and then you put in whatever amount you want and then i think you get like triple that amount if you win that so definitely check that out going back to the chat here grisham says uh sorry devin says grisham showed two big bombs hopefully has a breakout year i think he will i definitely believe in him james says pick your rotation right now i mean we kind of know what it is except for like one guy so snell martinez waka lugo and then for the fifth guy, it probably should be Jay Groom. But maybe they're, I mean, he started his last spring training game. I'll go with Jay Groom. 
they can Tehran can come out of the bullpen. I think he has done it in spring training. So I'll say Tehran Honeywell can come out of the bullpen. Groom gets a start. And then obviously we'll see what happens after that. Darvish as technically the sixth guy starting the sixth game of the season. That's what it seems like is going to happen. So yeah, that's that's my rotation. Gil says Grish's trade value is that of an all-star caliber player. Not right now. I disagree with that. Right now it's not. But I think at the end of the year it can be. That's for sure. The glove is irreplaceable. I agree with that. Uh, I was open to trading, but only for a plus package. Today he is untradeable. I mean, well, you're, you're not going to see a trade right before opening day. You know, everyone's roster is just getting finalized with the guys that are in camp. So I, I don't, yeah, right now, like everyone's not going to get traded, right? Uh, but I get your point. I would not trade him right now. Um, I, I trade him, like if the Brewers were, you know, offering Corbin Burns for Trent Grisham, yeah, I mean, I'd be open to it, but I believe in Trent. I'm a big believer that, like, yeah, we know what he's going to give defensively. We know what he's going to give with his glove and center. You can always rely on that. Offensively, that's the question. But, and I know it's spring training, but what I've seen so far is a different Trent Grisham, a more aggressive Trent Grisham, a motivated Trent Grisham. And I love what I'm seeing. So I, I will bet on Trent Grisham this year. That's for sure. Um, Devin says, once Musgrove comes back, it should be back to normal and reverts back to a five-man rotation. I think so as well. Yeah. And then that would mean Lugo or Martinez goes to the bullpen. Because it would be Musgrove, Darvish, Snell, Martinez or Lugo, and Waka. And obviously, Tehran, Groom, or Honeywell, whoever's starting at the beginning of the year, they get kicked out when Musgrove comes back, probably. Maybe they stick with the six-man a little bit when Musgrove comes back just to make sure everyone is ramped up and ready to go, save some innings, even if they are ramped up. Uh, but, yeah, I see it going back to the five-man for the majority of the season. All right, before we get out of here, I did want to touch on the San Diego Wave, obviously. A great first night. San Diego Wave, Chicago Red Stars, Chicago, San Diego. I mean, they are, I don't, I don't know, rivals, but they've already played each other four times now. Three times last year in the Wave's first season in the NWSL as the expansion franchise. Twice in the regular season. And then they met once in the playoffs, the first round, and the Wave won at home uh, at Snapdragon. Then they meet last night for the fourth time, and the Wave barely get the win, but it doesn't matter. It's three points. It's all that matters. 3-2 uh, win over Chicago. The handball at the end from Chicago. Morgan was attempting a shot, handball, and that gave the penalty kick, and she was going to make it. it you just knew she was going to make it. So it was fitting for her to have the game-winning goal. Uh, but goals from Ali, from Shaw, I mean, that was a tremendous shot from Jane Shaw. Uh, that was the second goal. Ali coming in for the rebound um, off the goalie, 
off of uh, Alyssa Nair, who was the Chicago's goalie last night. Um, just a, a real team effort, I would say. I think there were some penalty. There was that one penalty because uh, Swanson had a penalty kick, and that was debatable on if that was the penalty, but obviously the handball was, and so that was definitely a well-deserved penalty kick for the Wave. Uh, I expected them to win this game. They're the better team, but you never knew on opening night, like some jitters, uh, just the first game, this, this Wave team, they still are in the early stages of getting to know each other, you know, chemistry-wise. They haven't played a lot of games. I think they had a couple preseason games. I think one was a closed practice, and then one was uh, against Angel City um, at Snapdragon, but it was only, like, season ticket members. Uh, so not a whole lot of game action. And this was the first time that this group, right, including Colaprico, uh, including Maggie Doherty Howard, including all the new faces, playing in front of over 30,000 people. Um, so maybe there was going to be an adjustment period, but you know, Chicago, they, has, they have a really good goalkeeper, obviously. They have arguably the best forward in soccer in Mal Swanson. I mean, I could watch her all day. She never gets tired. She's like the fastest one out there in the country. I mean, you put her right up there with Probably Trinity Rodman, I would say. Uh, just speed-wise, really, really fast. Sophia Smith, you could put up there, too. So Chicago, they have some good parts, but the Wave, they're a better team. Uh, but what an environment. The attendance last night, 30,854. It was really cool being in the building, uh, getting to be on the field a little bit because uh, I'm working there as an ambassador uh, this year. So, look. This, this San Diego City, they're going to support their teams. Um, and I think the Chargers already regret leaving. But the Wave, they're getting over 30,000 people routinely. And that's going to continue to happen. I don't know about next weekend against North Carolina. That's their next game Saturday at 7, just because of San Diego State. And the Padres are going to be playing at home that day. So there's going to be a lot happening. Uh, but... All you know, the matchups against Portland and O.L. Rain, probably Washington, Kansas City, like all those games, those teams, they're going to get they're over 30,000, I would think. Um, and they're all Saturday night games, pretty much almost all the games. And that's perfect. It could be a great party in San Diego. And that's what it was last night. So the Wave, they are 1 0. They pick up three points next game, next Saturday against North Carolina. All right. Any more comments from the chat? Uh, no, I did not see the Seals and Loyal games. No, I've had a lot going on. Did So did the Seals win? What's the latest with them? Seals and Loyal. I did not catch those games. I'm looking up the score right now. Well, the Seals, they're 10 and 3. Okay, Seals lost in overtime. Okay. 
What about the loyal? Did they win? Or did they did they play this weekend? I was really focused on San Diego State, obviously the Padres, and then being at the Wave game. So their next, the next one, the Loyals' next match is against Phoenix on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday, next Saturday. Oh, no, they, okay, yeah. Loyal lost as well. They lost one nothing. okay, from Sacramento. All right. Well, it was, it was still a really, really good San Diego sports weekend, right? With, you know, obviously the Padres getting closer and closer to the season, the Wave getting a win, San Diego State getting to the final four. Again, it, it's like it's, it's like it's a dream. And this might be the best sport tier in San Diego ever. If San Diego State, I mean, it's already like, even if San Diego State doesn't win, but they're playing FAU, like you think that they can win that game. You think they can beat any team. They already beat Alabama. They beat Creighton, right? They can win any game that they play, especially with the way that they play. So, I will be disappointed if they do lose, if they don't win at all. Now now that we're this far in, right? Uh, but even just with San Diego State now, with, uh, with the Wave, if they win at all, if the Padres win the World Series, and they definitely could, that's the best San Diego sports year ever. So 2023, it's going to be a really, really good one. And it's, it's already off to one heck of a start. All right, that's it. Talking Fires episode 371. Thank you, everyone, on the podcast platforms, on YouTube, for tuning in. I'm Ben Fadden signing off. I'll see you later.